Netflix show and you just want to talk to someone about it, we need to talk to someone we about Louise. We need to Louis. talk to someone about Louise. <laughs> Kate, hello. Hi, Mary. How are you going? Uh, I feel like we're convening the war cabinet tonight. Like this is just <laughs> coming together to do army uh, has been just like taken military precision levels of coordination and uh, yeah, I feel like there's been military levels of build-up as well. Everyone is so excited about this episode. Oh, and why wouldn't they be? It's an absolutely beautiful episode of Bluey and um, I think it touches on so many lovely themes, you know, of inclusion, of service, of, yeah, um, accepting people for the dogs or the people that they are. So, <laughs> You know, there's so much to love about it and um, and a new character as well with a very celebrity uh, lineage. Absolutely. We even start in the new character's house, which was a bit of a, th- I guess, yeah, threw me off for a start. Although I just did wonder if healers had renovated to start with because it's another <laughs> retro Queenslander. Like <laughs> I feel like they just have to open up everyone's houses in this show and see just, just to prove someone is not living in a Queenslander. I guess we know Stripe and Trixie aren't. But does anyone kind of live in a slum or, you know, even just a kind of relatable house? Yes. Uh, I did notice very muddy boots at the front door of the Russell house. So perhaps that was our uh, point to relate to from the start. <laughs> Mom! Hey, Jack! Oh, how was your first day at your new school? So, just to recap before we go any further, for our international uh, listeners who may not have been able to access ARMY just yet, um, the new characters we're talking about are the uh, Russell family. They're a family of Jack Russell dogs. And um, the main character is Jack Russell, who is starting at Bluey School through his first day. Um, and he makes friends with Rusty. And Rusty is playing army and they go and have uh, a wild bush adventure. What are you playing? I'm playing army. I'm about to go on patrol. But there's all sorts of other things because um, the episode opens with uh, Jack going to his new school in the car and his dad's basically saying, you know, what? hold still, mate, and have you got your hat? And his sister just says, why can't you do as you're told? And he's like, I don't know. For me, that was sort of an inference that maybe Jack had ADHD or something like that or some sort of autism-y, spectrum-y thing going on. Yeah, yeah. Like, and there'd been a lot of speculation about that even before this episode aired because that was one of the preview clips and people were really wanting to connect to this character, Jack, and possibly the fact he's neurodiverse. Mm. Um, I I did – that first scene for me kind of felt like it was shoving the family under the bus a bit because they didn't seem very sympathetic. Jack, your hat? I forgot it. Ah, Jack. What are we going to do with you, mate? Ah, Jack, still not sitting still. Jack. Sorry, I forgot. Why can't you do it? It's like getting schooled by a little, like I'm guessing, three or four-year-old. Which probably is true to life, to be honest. Like younger brothers and sisters, I suppose, aren't always going to be the most understanding, although as they grow up with it, the more they're going to be um, 
yeah, sympathetic and defensive to their sibling. But, um, but yeah, the, the fact that dad is still expecting Jack to remember his hat when he clearly is uh, struggling. Just um, double check your kid's bag before you're taking them to school, really. Like, come on. Like, I wouldn't expect Olivia, our daughter who is neurodiverse, to pack her bag properly. So we do it for her, you know, or she, she inadvertent commas helps. And, yeah, and Will, this is the other thing. Like, Will doesn't know any different. So for him, having a neurodiverse sister is just part of who she is. So he doesn't know any different. So he's just like, oh, okay, that's yeah, just that's, live. That's a good point. And we actually talked about that um, that podcast last week, uh, Two Peas in a Pod, yeah. um, which is a great podcast by two Melbourne mums who mm. talk about parenting diverse kids. And, yeah, they are real advocates for the brothers and sisters that they call. I think the pea tribe or yeah, um, feelings maybe even. Um, but, yeah, they're very, very much aware of that really unique journey that the brothers and sisters of uh, neurodiverse kids have as well. So, mm. um, yeah, I wondered if that was a fair representation, but it does set up the story very well that Jack is feeling a bit misunderstood even as he arrives at school and yeah doing that drop off to perfect understanding calypso where the little sister's just trying to get a few last digs in at poor jack you very much feel oh i'm so glad he's with calypso now because of course calypso has the answer that whole scene i found quite frustrating because you'd think that parents would be a lot more understanding and supportive of their kids and like if will was mouthing off about live like that in front of new people i'd probably shut him down I mean, this is blowy though, so <laughs> we're never going to see full-on arguments. But, yeah, um, yeah, I just like how she sort of launches into Jack can't sit still or remember anything, and then Jack is visibly frustrated by that. Eclipso handles it so beautifully. Jack can't sit still or remember anything. Well, I think you should go and play with that red Kelpie down there. We do learn as Jack begins his friendship with Rusty and Rusty helps build the backstory, I guess. Um, we do learn that he's come to this school because of the issues he's had with um, education and how he's not a good fit for the education system. So now at a Steiner school, maybe that'll be a bit more supportive. And it does look like they just play army all day. So uh, it seems like it's a good fit so far. <laughs> Can I be in the army? Well, maybe. Can you do as you're told? No, I'm not good at doing what Attention! Huh. On the left, huh. quick, march! Hop, 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 hold! On the right, march! Hop, 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 hold! Salute! Huh. Yeah, you can play. There were quite a few things I loved um, about Rusty and the way he handles this. Like, for example, he says, oh, can you follow orders? It's quite a high-level concept to be able to try and think through, oh, can I receive instructions and, and like, execute them? But in the moment when he's saying left, right, down, up, you know, like <laughs> Jack is executing them perfectly. And this is a communication mistake you see a lot of parents – make when they first enter the disability world, they're treating the kid like they would be treating a neurotypical kid. And mm -hmm. actually you need to break it down to super simple like um, language and stuff. I actually just finished reading Jocelyn Morehouse's um, book. Uh, she's the filmmaker behind The Dressmaker. And oh, she's yeah. written the most amazing memoir called um, Unconditional Love. 
Uh, and it's about the disability journey that she's taken because two of her four children um, have autism. She talks about in one of the chapters about um, taking Lily, I think it is her daughter, to a speech therapy session and she was kind of prepared for the full you know, all right, we're going to learn 100 signs today sort of thing. And and the speech therapist sat down with her daughter in front of a dollhouse and was like playing, but she'd just be like, uh-oh, you know, and things like that, like really simple, simple, simple language. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, she was saying how revolutionary it had been for her because she was saying, oh, look, here comes the dolly and it's coming up the stairs and stuff. And she's like, no, 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 you need to break this down. Where's dolly? Yeah. You know, like just really slowing everything down, breaking it down to super simple. And then her daughter started saying, uh-oh, and, you know, things like that. Yeah. And then it builds from there, those sounds. It's interesting, yeah, how you have to change your expectations from being like broader concepts of education, particularly even in the young grades. It's so hard. And then if you take it back to that play level, though, so many kids who would otherwise be absolutely terrible in a classroom environment just really flourish. Especially as we see it play out between um, Rusty and Jack, like you say, you know, it's left and right. I must admit, as soon as Rusty started barking orders, I went into panic mode going, oh, which is left, which is right. (laughs) So Jack dealt with it better than I would. But, yeah, it is very simple hand signals and it is it's pure the play is pure just mimicking just copy what I do and and that's what works for Jack which is really smart because that is how you know kids learn everything initially just copying copying it's not being told elaborate instructions and expected to follow them so yeah it's it's interesting seeing that play out yeah and the the skills that they're learning um through the play as well you know like they're learning hand signals directions they're orienteering they're getting physical exercise they're um, doing all sorts of imaginative play uh, which would feed in so well to like creative storytelling and things like that so um, I know you and I talked about Maggie Dent's um, podcast Parental as Anything where she had Joe yeah. on a while back and Joe kind of seemed to make some comments about uh, mainstream education versus uh, not so mainstream educational activities. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I feel like this whole episode is a little bit of a commentary on how um, traditional schooling isn't necessarily um, bringing out the best in kids. Was there something wrong with your old school? No, there's something wrong with me. I'm not good at doing what I'm told. I can't sit still and I can't remember anything, like numbers or letters on my hat. Hmm. Well, I guess, you know, we never see an alternative in ed- everything educational um, within Bluey is set at the Steiner School. So um, we just get to see that working, I suppose. And obviously Calypso and her meth, you know, she's she's set up as the, the perfect teacher. Um, but it's not all down to Calypso because the kids – mimic Calypso or take her lead and they're teaching each other and and we see that here. I learnt so much in this episode. Did you know what a dust-off was before this? Oh, no, no, no. But we've got – I've got nothing like – 
um, last the other week we were talking about how your husband age, you know, was an army brat growing up. We had no like no links whatsoever to anyone in service. I wasn't sure if um, maybe your household were a bit more au fait with all this because of uh, age's experience. Well, age admitted he'd never heard of a dust off either. Apparently, it's more a US kind of term, but oh. it was um, big in the Vietnam War. So perhaps there's um, a Vietnam vet link within the Rusty family, um, but. Yeah, he did say that the most there were a few super real to life um, features of this episode. One was just that army kids love playing war. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Which yeah is is not that surprising, I guess. If you know your dad's off off with the army or um, defense forces, then it's not surprising. That's what you want to play. Um, although I've never been involved in military style games where there haven't been some kind of mock weapon involved, even if it's just picking up sticks. So I did wonder if that was the least realistic uh, element of this episode. Well, you're really good at playing army. Maybe Rusty's a peacekeeper, although even peacekeepers, I would have thought, would, you know, have some semblance of uh, weaponry. So who knows what's going on there. <laughs> but um, the other thing Age said, um, and he he was in early primary school when his family um, were posted to Malaysia and then came back to Australian school from there. And he said the army kids are always kind of friends with the outcasts, the weird kids, um, because, <laughs> which I don't know, I took as a positive, but yeah, because I they am. move around yeah. so much, you know how, um, you know how it's always kind of new kids just have to take whoever they can get in the sort of playground pecking order, um, <laughs> that Rusty kind of being lumped with the slightly odd new kid is not surprising at all and um, and it's not surprising that he could roll with it so well either. Oh, that's kind of lovely though. Did it bring back um, memories for age when he was watching this? Or he, he also said, and skipping right to the end of this episode, the super heartwarming moment where because um, all through Rusty's explaining that um, – um, he knows so much about the army because his dad's in the army and away with the army at the moment. Mm. Um, when his dad, surprise, shows up to pick him up from school at the end, Age said, yeah, that was so real to life because whenever his dad came home from deployment, it was always coming home in his fatigues or in his army gear and, Aww. yeah, he would always make a point of picking him up from school as well. So that was just, uh, yeah, it, it would be emotional, absolutely. Yeah, I felt emotional watching the end of that episode like regardless, so I can't even imagine how you'd feel if you had lived experience with that as well. Where'd you get condensed milk from? Rusty gave it to me. See you, Jack. Hey, Rusty. His dad brought it back from patrol. We've come back to so many times how much we just feel it when the dog's tails wag in oh, Bluey. Yes. Um, I, I have never seen a waggier tail than Rusty's in that final scene. That yeah. was just beautiful. So I'm, I'm glad they upped the uh, wags per minute 
um, for that <laughs> because that was just perfect. It was beautiful, wasn't um, it? And how good um, – I have to say there's a lot of celebrity cameo voices in this episode, but it was so good that they managed to secure um, Anthony Field, a.k.a. the Blue Wiggle, for the voice of Rusty's dad because that was high on Joe Brum's wish list when we interviewed him last year. So I like to hope that we played a small role in making that happen. <laughs> I'm sure we did. I think it was a bit of an easy sell um, for the Ludo team as well for um, to get Anthony Field on board because he was in the army as well. Um, oh, I didn't so, know this. Yeah, um, and I'm looking up the Wikipedia now because I forgot to research it. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so the band that preempted the Wiggles uh, was a band called the Cockroaches uh, yes. that sort of played in the 80s and 90s before they <laughs> pivoted to children's entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a couple of albums and enjoyed moderate success, according to Wikipedia, but it was interrupted by um, Anthony's service in the Australia's regular army. Uh, so he was an infantry soldier, medic and rifleman in the 5th and 7th Battalion, and uh, he also played bagpipes in parades and on training missions. Oh, uh, that is did. not surprising at all. <laughs> I just had a look on uh, Facebook after you brought this up. And um, in 2014, he says, Anthony Field, this is, posted, 32 years ago, I joined the Australian Army, an infantry soldier. I was a proud member of the 5 of 7 RAR. Seems like a lifetime ago. I'm so glad I did it. Learned so much from my time. The blokes I served with were real characters, larrikins and mates. So we knew that this Wiggles connection was coming for so long. Um and obviously, we've both felt very connected to the Wiggles for a long time. Um, they've played a big part in our very early days for our little kids. Oh, uh, still playing a massive role. Have you watched any Wiggles lately? No, but I understand that there's a new series and I'm really glad that my kids haven't cottoned on because apparently the theme music is the most annoying theme music ever. Oh, Kate, I cannot begin to tell you. It's called <laughs> Wiggles World and it's like, wah, wah, wah. We- That is the entire song. I just like nothing can explain how annoying this is. Um, Anyone that encourages so yeah, children to go wah 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 is bad. Like it's devil. <laughs> that is devil material right there. And uh, for so long on ABC, there'd just been, I don't know, maybe like one series of The Wiggles and we'd seen all of them so many times that Bond had actually gotten bored with them. But Cass is now at the kind of peak Wiggles age where he just wants to do the propeller and rock a your bear. And, yeah, I'm I'm not loving this. We're going off YouTube exclusively until uh-huh. they, they fix this, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> on the upside, though, the Wiggles are doing lots of um, performances from isolation. Have you seen those? They're live streaming from Facebook. Yeah, and they have also been doing um, some helpful songs about self-isolating, which has been quite welcome. (laughs) The other um, Australian children's uh, band that have been really getting on board the self-isolation thing are the Teeny Tiny Stevies, who I absolutely love. And if you're a parent like me who wants to stab their eye out with a fork, as with most uh, musical offerings from TV shows, get onto the Teeny Tiny Stevies. They're on Spotify and YouTube and all their 
Morris, and they've done a fantastic song about COVID-19. It's beautiful. It's actually okay. something that you I would choose to listen to. So, yeah. Have you heard it yet? I haven't heard that. No. I, I watched the Play School COVID-19 special, um, yeah. but I haven't heard that one. So, it's it's about, like, why we stay home kind of stuff. Yeah, for- but it's like we've got to stay in when we want to go out. We got to trust when we start to feel down. Wash your hands again when we just want to sit down. If you need to cry, let it all out. Cause when your enemy's invisible, nobody's invincible. Yeah, if it wasn't emotional enough, like just being in general, I just think they captured that perfect, like <laughs> frustrated mum vibe of we've got to stay yeah. at home again today. Yeah. Uh, it's sweet, so it's working. It's working so well. Um, oh, it is. But yeah, it'd be nice when it's over as well. Uh, well, this is the thing. Like Australia is so lucky, I guess, you know, and maybe this has been assisted by Bluey dropping a whole lot of new episodes, which is keeping the kids occupied. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, when you look around the world at how everything's um, unfolding in New York, and Spain and Italy and the UK and then we compare it to Australia where there have been relatively low community transmissions and low numbers. Uh, Yeah, we're very, very lucky. But now we're seeing the opposite bit where because nothing has happened, people think, oh, people made it a much bigger deal than it was. (laughs) Yeah, no, it hasn't changed. Okay, speaking anyway. of other countries, <laughs> yes. I'm gonna I'm gonna really uh, take draw a longbow here. Oh, um, I like a my longbow. favorite moment of well, there are many favorite moments, but what really spoke to me was so midway through this game of army, the cry goes up, contact, yes, and it's a bush turkey, yes. Um, <laughs> now, am I alone? Did anyone else think? And then they descend down a kind of a sandy bit, you could call it a cliff almost, and they're at the bottom of the cliff, and the turkey's up the top. Was anyone else thinking Gallipoli, the Turks? Like, <laughs> is that a thing? <laughs> Uh, Surely right. Nothing is accidental in the Bluey universe. Nothing is accidental. <laughs> Definitely wouldn't put them past, but yet I did not pick that one up. So, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, like- that's the origins of the Anzac legend right there. And, yeah, I feel like that it, it wouldn't <laughs> have been a true nod to the Australian Defence Forces without without some reference to Gallipoli. <laughs> uh, I reckon there's a pretty good one there, so we'll, we'll run with it. Um, speaking of running, um, when Jack after, you know, all this exhausting game has taken place and Rusty's like, Okay, Russell, we've got to get to that field. Now, run! One thing I can do is run. I'm a Jack Russell. Because we had a Jack Russell. Uh, it was my first dog growing up. So, And he was psycho, really, in, in <laughs> hindsight. Like, 
His name was Pouncer because he just like he was. It was like he had oh, great name. Yeah, he'd jump like a meter continuously. It was like he had little strings <laughs> in his legs. Yeah. And um, I remember, like, my dad's really tall. Um, my dad's about six foot six. And this tiny little Jack Russell, like, pulling my dad along on his bicycle because uh, he was so keen to get out of the house. So when Jack uh, is like, yeah, I'm, I'm good at running, I was just like, yeah, you are, mate. <laughs> You're a Jack Russell. So <laughs> they are, like, if there was ever a dog that was going to be neurodiverse, it's probably Jack Russell. <laughs> It is gorgeous. The whole dog characterization is this. Rusty is so a dependable Kelpie and, yeah, just excitable Jack Russell, obviously. Um, getting that sprint through the long grass um, is to get to the chopper. Mm-hmm. Rusty even says get to the chopper, which um, – I had a feeling was a film reference and the internet tells me that it is actually the only memorable thing about the uh, 1980s film Predator, <laughs> the fact that uh, has the line, get to the chopper, um, these days probably only known as a meme for uh, a whole new generation. But, yeah, so that was a very nice uh, subtle movie nod. Um, they could have gone with a lot more war kind of filmic references, but I don't, I didn't spot any others. But we have seen, um, we know Ludo are putting together film, uh, like movie style posters for each episode and yeah. uh, different artists on the Ludo team are illustrating them. And the one for Army is classic. It's the faces of, the close up faces of Rusty and Jack and um, the bush turkey or the, the Turk as I now <laughs> refer to him um, in the style of Saving Private Ryan. And yeah, it's it just is the most moving uh, piece of work. So that was brilliant. I think um, that one was done by Owen Emanuel. And yeah, we've, we've shared it on the Insta already, but I might push it out again for this episode because it is yeah, just spectacular. 6 1, this is 6 2. We are surrounded. Request immediate dust off. Stand by for location. Over. How excited were you when they get to the chopper and that treehouse is just the perfect chopper style shape looming out of the field oh and then the wind um cutting through the long grass as well and that ripple sort of the, yeah like the chopper blades are making the the, the wind yeah. yeah it was beautiful so um and just that moment of silence where the two dogs are sort of staring out over um it looks like a very glass house mountains inspired sort of backdrop and I was just thinking to myself, this is such an amazing school, really, because, like, they're having this amazing experience. And, I mean, don't we all wish we had a treehouse that we could just escape to, Uh, like, school whenever we felt like it? It just looked idyllic. And the space that the characters give each other to talk is lovely. Um, Yeah, it's just really, really subtly done. Doesn't overplay it. Love it. Well, you're really good at playing army. We know that Calypso is the master of open, open-ended open questions and subtle nudges, but um, you can, again, just Rusty has obviously picked up that skill from her. He's just got the most simple questions for Jack and it, and yeah, it tells us, 
how he's feeling and um and that he's feeling a lot more comfortable in himself now that he's mm. found Rusty and found a game that he's good at. Yeah, like even the way that Rusty phrases that question is so smart, like was there something wrong with your old school? It's not putting the blame on the kid. Like, you know, it's sort of making a broader statement about was there something wrong with your school? I don't know, was it not suitable for you rather than like yeah, saying, rather what's than wrong with you? you fit in? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so um, I hope Jack's sister was taking notes at that point because, <laughs> yeah, she really, really needs to. There were a couple of things in this episode which are beautiful nods to other episodes of Bluey. So, um, for example, um, when we go to the school, we see Chloe and Bluey um, going off on the adventure. So, Chloe's dressed as the princess and uh, Bluey is honey horse. Um, Yeah, going off to fight the evil queen. Uh, We also see Rusty's hat, which is pinned on the side, like Bluey's was in Sticky Gecko. So I thought that Um, was really nice. Absolutely. The pineapple pin as well, which is a very, very proud Queensland kind of vibe coming from that. Um, Yeah. It's not the only place a slouch hat appears in this episode, actually, because this whole episode is done so well where we actually – are getting retold the events of the day by Jack, who's arrived home from school um, or his mum's arrived home from work, presumably, played by Zoe Foster-Blake, and Mm. is asking Jack about his day and he's retelling it. Um, And in that foyer of their house where he's telling mum what happened all day, um, there is on the dresser both an Australian service medal in the background and Mm. then also you can see for only a... Yes! Yes, Wearing a slouch hat. Oh, it's amazing. I wondered if, yeah, we're meant to sort of pick up that it's not surprising that Jack was so so up for playing army because obviously there's a bit of history uh, or connection in his family to the Defence Forces as well. Um, I'm so glad you saw that long dog because as soon as I saw it, I, <laughs> I actually squealed. Yes. If you're, if you're playing at home, um, you don't see it in the first few scenes. You just see it at the very end um, next to a vase of flowers and it's got like a little tiny Anzac hat on. It's so cute. I can see why Rusty liked calling for dust-offs. Oh, do you want to talk music? Oh, we can briefly talk music, but to be honest, I think it's an original composition and apart from the whistling, I have no real commentary on it. So um. <laughs> I thought the whistling was gorgeous, but then I also, um, yeah, like I've, there's been other episodes where instead of just music, it's um, it's a vocal and the RRs. I think it was even Shadowlands, um, that kind of ethereal like, singing in the higher register. Yeah, it's a beautiful sound. It works well in this and probably similar to Shadowlands because it's all outdoors. It's kind of that sound of the wind in the grass and all that kind of thing. Um, but the the musical moment for me was once, like you mentioned, that quiet time when they're in the chopper mm. um, looking out and we start to hear some military-style drums, oh. which I just um, love. I don't know, like I don't have a better word for it. Perhaps it's a... You can kind of picture a military drummer, right, wearing the drummer around yeah. their neck and kind of a 
maybe it's a snare even. Um, but, yeah, it's just that very distinctive thing. You kind of get it in a lot of different songs. I Probably the one that jumped to mind for me was, um, you know, that, this is it, boys. This is war. I think it's thirty seconds to Mars. Oh, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, the the like military drumming all through that is just so distinctive. Um, and yeah, I really like how they use it in here, and the whistling as well is so kind of whistling in songs is so it's a long way to Tipperary kind of war relevant. So yeah. I think that was probably pretty deliberate by Joff and the team. Yeah, I sort of had these images of like almost Anzac soldiers sort of whistling in the fields, uh, yeah. I guess, sort of like, and you were saying Gallipoli before, but there were a couple of scenes I'm pretty sure in Gallipoli where they had soldiers sort of whistling and then they had to um, cut it and all this sort of stuff because the enemy was a bit closer than they realised. But, <laughs> but yeah, just. Um, yeah, there would definitely be downsides to whistling on the warfare. Yeah. but. Probably less so nowadays, I'm sure. You yeah, can. but um, it kind of did spark that sort of spirit of she'll be right. Um, yeah, sort of Larrikin-esque Aussie mateship. Yeah, my brain's um, not functioning. I'm very <laughs> pregnant. So. You're, you're doing so well. It's amazing. <laughs> um, and, yeah, I feel like we've already said a lot about this episode. Um, one thing I meant to say with you mentioned Chloe and um, Bluey at the start. We see them going off on the adventure. The first time I saw that, it, my instant reaction was like, got to get to the adventure. I had to see if it was a pre-planned thing yes. and Jack and his family were actually in the adventure as well. No, you don't see them in the adventure as uh, Bluey and Chloe ride out. But then I did think as well, like you were talking about the other week of all the episodes just being kind of fragments of memory. And in this mm. episode, especially where we're hearing it from Jack's perspective, perhaps <laughs> perhaps it's just a nod to the fact that Bluey and Chloe were so involved in their game, they wouldn't have noticed who was around them anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> Unless they were coming to their rescue obviously yeah um, although it is possible they play that game every day of the week as well so there's a few different uh ways <laughs> that that could be explained <laughs> congratulations recruit russell you're now private russell i was in the army i don't think i have anything we know that now ish um to, to do did you have anything oh, you wanted to yes i do have a we know that now so given uh we did squash two weeks ago I got in touch with Dan Brum because uh, we didn't know that Dan co-wrote the episode with his brother, Joe. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I messaged him because I was saying, um, I said, did you have a Karate Kid style moment where you beat your older brother? We'd love to find out the backstory. Um, and, uh-huh. he, and he wrote, ha ha, yes, loosely based on real life. You used to play a lot of squash down at the Taylor Range Courts. Yes, blue okay, location, right. right? And, on the money. And Joe just always bloody won. <laughs> to be fair, they were close <laughs> games, but he just always somehow came out on top. He used to drive me crazy, but one time I dug deep and finally beat him. And, yeah, Uncle Stripes victory scene, exactly how it happened. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, so that was awesome. And um, – I said you would rightly feel a little dirty if Joe was framing it that your win was due to outside forces rather than your superior skills. And and he was saying the squash games were in the pre-kids days, eventually spare time disappeared and the knees gave out. But 
it's been great reading about oh. how much people have dug season two. <laughs> That's really cool. I know. So, uh, so your theory was your theory was half there. Yeah, I um <laughs> I reckon. But just knowing that they co-wrote that is so lovely. Um, absolutely. Yeah, that makes squash a lot more special to me. I reckon because it was all about the brother dynamic, and yeah, good to see brothers can cooperate when uh when push comes to shove. <laughs> and then it was pickup time. See you tomorrow, Rusty. And now I'm here. Wow, that was a lot of detail. Yeah. Okay, mailbag. I've got a few things. The first one we heard from Rebecca on Instagram who, what a champion, took photos of her long dog spots in the Bluey books, which oh. I hadn't realised, but they're there. Um, so is the there first one, two is there one in out, Beach? Because I, I, I haven't seen the one in Beach, but I've definitely seen the one in Fruit Bat. There's a long dog okay. on the shelf. Rebecca is a bloody gem. She found um, in Beach there's a long dog sitting in the uh, – pop-up tent um which i i can't remember seeing in the episode but now i have to go back and watch that so we can work (laughs) out if there's a long dog in beach then also in in fruit bat on the shelves um i instantly went to our copy of uh bob bilby which we got recently and yep uh long dog up on the shelf as well so i think the next ones coming out are going to be the creek and then um grannies as well so it'll be interesting to see where they manage to sneak long dog in there but clearly it's um it's part of the brief for the books that we should all be looking for the long dogs yeah uh, and I think if you are an avid Bluey uh, watcher and listener, please, if you see a long dog, let us know. We haven't found all of them and some of the episodes, we would love to know where they've hidden them. Also, tennis balls. If you understand the significance <laughs> of the tennis balls or you just have wild theories, please feel free to share. Yeah, did you notice that um, there was a different coloured tennis ball in the in the Russell house? So it's a pink well, and green one. So that didn't speak to you in any deep way? No, it didn't speak to me in a deep way. I feel like I feel like a pink gaslit. So uh yeah, like a pink and green tennis ball to me just screams grip ball, that kind oh, of late eighties, nineties craze where uh you'd have a plastic thing that with Velcro that would try and catch the ball. Um a bit like we talked about last week with uh um, sticky geckos, the balls and the grips both got pretty feral pretty fast. Um, but <laughs> they get yeah, all fluffy from the like the grip ball thing, right? So yeah. it sort of brings all the fibres forward. Sort of <laughs> becomes a bit like a guy smiley haircut. Yes, absolutely. So um, yeah. Anyway, I think that's what was going on there. There was a ball in the back of the uh, Russell's very messy back seat as well. So yeah, clearly they've got more than a bit um, in common with the healers, which. I already love this family. Um, We also heard recently from mum Kathleen who we were talking last week about my uh, vaguely related Bluey playlist on Spotify, but you can find – Kathleen has put together – classical bluey the playlist on spotify um which she's done a great job i reckon she's got a dozen um of the classical uh hits from this season and last season of bluey um yeah so and there were a few i hadn't picked up on i reckon you're gonna love diving into that too kate um so how do do uh, i track her down do i so if you just go to spotify and search um classical bluey you'll find that playlist but we'll share it on the socials as well 
But Kathleen also has – she's a um, mum of two and a primary teacher doing the homeschool thing at the moment, and she's set up an Instagram account, kids.in.art.cabin, as in cabin fever, as in don't let them get cabin fever. Uh, Kathleen's putting up great activities and games and stuff for kids with the idea that you can play them in isolation and not all go crazy. Mm. Um, and, yeah, there's a couple I didn't know on there. The um, the horror one is in Tickle Crabs apparently and yeah. um, the Ride of the Valkyries is oh, Escape. Oh, yeah, that's Escape. So, so that's when the dream yeah. house comes up over the hill. So good. So thank you tons, yes. Kathleen, for letting us know. Thanks, Kathleen, um, legend. So much more amazing music to talk about in Bluey, so much more everything to talk about, really. Um, we just want to talk, you, basically, so please <laughs> talk to us. You can find us on the socials. We're at BlueyPod on Insta, at Bluey Podcast on Twitter. Just search Gotta Be Done, the Bluey Podcast, and you'll find us on Facebook. And, of course, just email BlueyPod at gmail.com. Um, thank you everyone for listening. Do you know, I was noticing, um, a lot of podcasters talking about the fact that their listens have gone down thanks to ISO life because no one's, uh, doing the commute anymore. So no oh. one's doing their podcast listening. That is not the case for us. I feel no, like parents gone, trapped in isolation are listening more. Yeah. So, um, we appreciate all your listens. We hope it's helping with the madness. It's, I, I feel like talking is just definitely helping with the madness. Thank you, Kate. Oh, it's definitely helping me with the madness, lovey. So, um, yes, thank you so much to everyone who is tuning in. Just everyone needs Bluey in their life right now I think and it, none I think more than us. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. I've definitely, um, at the end of a few tough days, just taken myself off and watched an episode on my own, unprompted without the kids. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I tell you what, you could do do worse than start with army, I reckon. So it's been lovely talking about it. Um, we will talk to you next week. In the meantime, thanks so much, Kate. Thanks, everyone. Got to be done. done. Bye. Bye. Come on, Jack. Can you sit still, mate? Yes, Dad. Did you remember your hat? Um, my hat. Where's my hat? Oh, look, a goat.